the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us as we get underway at eight minutes now after the hour of nine o'clock on this Monday edition of the Bob France Authority. It is the eighth, or excuse me, now the ninth morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord 2019. We are just two days away from our special commemorative broadcast of the anniversary of the worst terror attack in the history of the United States. We will never forget. It is something that I have lived by, at least in my professional career, and I try, I suppose, to say uh, that I have uh, done so in my private life, although it's not like I walk around talking to people, uh, talking to strangers randomly about 9-11. But I do. Uh, I find it very important when we say we would never forget. I find it very, very important uh, on this 18th anniversary coming up on Wednesday to make sure that we live that. And uh, we will indeed discuss a lot of things involving the state of our country, the state of national security, and the state of our relationship with radical extremist Islam. Uh, and that is exactly what it is. I know it's become popular in recent days and in recent weeks and in recent months to say, no, 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 no. Radical Islam is not what threatens this country. It's white nationalists. It's white people. White males, straight white Christian males are the biggest threat to this country. Domestic terrorism is the biggest threat to this country because we've had mass shootings and we haven't had any uh, um, Islamic extremist terrorism in a while. Yeah, um, not buying it, not going to sell it, uh, and neither should you. Radical Islam is still trying to kill you. Radical Islam is still trying to destroy what this country is and what it has always been. Never let your guard down for one second about that. Never, ever let anybody tell you differently. Radical extremist Islam is indeed the threat that we face. And the president knows it, which is why it was very interesting. Our lead story of the day 
involves the president's decision to first hold what were going to be secret talks with the Taliban at Camp David about drawing down our troops in Afghanistan, but needing to make sure that there is a peaceful uh, end in sight here in that in that nation. We have, of course, been in war now in Afghanistan for 17 years. In some com, you know, some um, manner or another, we have been at war there. You know, it's not quite the same exact. Uh, you know, war situation or uh, type of war that when we when we first uh, invaded and bombed Afghanistan in response to 9/11. But we still have thousands and thousands of troops there, and their lives are still in danger. We just lost one to a car bombing, which, by the way, is or suicide bombing rather, which is central to the discussion that we are about to have. So we are at war still in Afghanistan. The president made it one of his campaign promises back in uh, the summer of 2016, to bring the troops home from Afghanistan, uh, to declare victory there, which is a little bit different, but in the eyes of some, myself included, we have to do a side-by-side comparison. But it's a little bit different than Barack Obama declaring he would end the war in Iraq. Didn't say when the war in Iraq, declared he would end the war in Iraq. In other words, just pull out leaving in place, devastatingly, of course, a massive void of leadership and a a massive void of opportunity for someone to fill. When we did not finish the job, we obviously did a great job in Iraq, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds on Iraq when the story today is about Afghanistan, but we did a fantastic job. Uh, Thanks to General David Petraeus acting upon orders from President George W. Bush to not abandon ship before the end of his term, but to uh, actually implement the surge strategy, which is exactly what snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. It stabilized the nation of Iraq. It gave the fledgling democratic government in Iraq an opportunity. And all we had to do was stay in place and allow that democracy to grow. In Iraq, when Barack Obama took the um, uh, reins of power and immediately pulled our troops out against the advice of everybody, including all of the military leaders and strategists who had been working on this thing for so long, uh, that is exactly what he did. He said he was told it would create a void, something worse could take its place, and uh, sure enough, uh, the Islamic State was born. So anyway, getting back to current situations now, again, it's not identical, but the question is is whether or not we should be pulling troops out of Afghanistan as well. The president made that his promise. It was one of his key promises. He made many, of course, which is what politicians and candidates for office do. But one of the ones he said is he was going to bring the troops home, but win the war in Afghanistan. If he brings the troops home without some sort of declaration of peace, If he brings them home or draws down considerably the number of troops left in Afghanistan without some sort of a uh, an agreement on peace and that they there will not be future attacks either against them while they are there, the um, uh, remaining forces uh, or the people uh, or moreover um, terror targets. Remember, the Taliban backed Al Qaeda. The Taliban funded Al Qaeda. The Taliban provided Al-Qaeda training grounds um, and resources to carry out the 9-11 terror attacks. So the president, in wanting to keep his campaign promise about bringing the troops out of Afghanistan, had 
scheduled talks with Taliban leaders at Camp David. And then after the uh, suicide bombing that took the life of an American soldier, among others, the president announced the cancellation of those talks, which, of course, has everybody in a bit bit of a um, social media and traditional Sunday show media yesterday uh, feeding frenzy. They've got that going on. Uh, The president is being ripped by the Democrats for ever having held the talks or scheduled the talks in the first place, rather, uh, then being criticized for pulling out of them. It doesn't, you know, you know how it is with the president. He can't do anything right in the eyes of the left. He cannot do anything right in the eyes of the media. He cannot do anything right in the eyes of Hollywood. And they are all taking their turns blasting him for this. Now, I am going to instead analyze this objectively because it's what i do and i'm going to talk to some guests this morning who are going to analyze objectively as well including congressman jordan who will join me at 9:48, so uh, about a little over half an hour from now was the president right to schedule these talks with the taliban at camp david some in the in the president's own party republicans now and i mentioned uh the far left and and it's true and even just the left criticizing him but i will be fair here there are some on the president's side who don't think it was a good idea for the taliban to be invited uh to are we okay uh andrew is already okay something just dropped off in my headset or are, are, are we good we're good okay the the sound just dropped appreciably and i wondered if the uh, there was something wrong with the connection okay um but the um, the some in the president's own party have joined those on the left in condemning the idea that the Taliban should be allowed, Taliban leaders should be allowed, especially given the date, should be allowed into the United States to Camp David. That the Taliban, you know, uh, uh, just a couple of days away from nine eleven, the anniversary, the eighteenth anniversary of the terror attack that they funded and supported through their support of Al Qaeda that they should ever be allowed here at all. Um, I'm going to respectfully disagree with those who are criticizing the president on this. While the optics are not good, and they're not, um, conversations have to be held. We cannot stay in Afghanistan literally indefinitely. Can we? Can we or should we consider putting a permanent... Uh, troop level, setting a permanent troop level of, of you know, ten to 20,000 troops in Afghanistan for the future of futures? Or do we eventually have to figure out a way to let these boys come home? And I know there's a rotation. Nobody is staying there for years and years and years. There is a rotation. But sometimes they get sent back for a second tour, third tour, and on, 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 and on it goes. Are we going to do that forever? Committing troops and funds to be in Afghanistan forever? And the answer, kind of right, has to be no. We cannot commit that forever. Now, in my opinion, by the way, I don't think the president is is uh, is making the right call to try to draw them down now. When multiple reports from military personnel and intelligence suggest that the that Al Qaeda and the Taliban, particularly Al Qaeda, funded by the Taliban, is reconstituting in a faster at a faster pace than even ISIS is reconstituting after they were routed. That's a problem. I don't think we should bring everybody home now. But I will say that if the president is considering such a move, 
either for just to keep a campaign promise or because he thinks there's a strategic goal in getting our troops out of Afghanistan, the vast majority of them, which he has pledged to do. Um, if that is his 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 plan, then we do have to kind of set the set the um, the standard, if you will. We have to talk to the Taliban leaders, those in charge of the Afghani government, both legitimately and not legitimately, and we have to ensure the safety and security of those who are left behind, and we have to ensure that there are no uh, future plans to attack uh, the United States or her allies or her interests. We have to have these conversations. So the optics are not good to have them on American soil. The optics are not good to have them uh, here so close to 9-11. But the conversations must be held. And I think the president was right to try to engage them in that regard. Because we're either going to do what? We are either going to talk to these people and try to establish some semblance of a peace with these people in order to remove our troops from Afghanistan after 17 years, our longest war in history, by the way. Again, it's a different type than it was. In, it's not like it's daily firefights, but it is still war. We have to engage in conversation with them to ensure uh, that our, uh, you know, that we are going to be protected and our allies are going to be protected, and that there are no future plans for attacks on us or our interests. Those conversations have to happen. So, if the president was right to invite the Taliban to have those conversations, and I believe he was, was he also right then to cancel them? Spoiler alert, I believe he was. In both cases, the president's call was correct here, no matter what the left and some of his Republican critics have to say about it. I want to talk to you about that, and I want you to want to listen to you as well. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. It's the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. WHKRadio.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast. All right, 924 now, the Bob Prance Authority on AM 1420. The answer, we're loaded up, by the way, with uh, some very, very uh, good guests today, very interesting guests, the first of which will be Congressman Jim Jordan in about 24 minutes. So you're going to want to be here for that. We're going to talk to him about what I'm, uh, I'm discussing with you right now, which is the president's decision to first schedule talks with the Taliban at Camp David over the weekend, just literally uh, days before 9-11 and the 18th commemoration of that uh, horrific attack that the Taliban was uh, in large part responsible for, and then the decision to cancel those talks. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says the Taliban overreached when they admitted to a bombing that killed a U.S. service member, telling Fox News Sunday. Uh, The American people should know we will continue to apply the appropriate pressure to make sure uh, that we never struck with terror again. The planned talks on U.S. soil drew criticism from Democrats and Republicans. Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer says the president had no business bringing Taliban officials here on the eve of the anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney agrees with calling the talks off, but says no member of the Taliban should ever set foot at Camp David. Mike Pompeo yesterday on the Sunday talk shows made the rounds and, uh, and, and, and pointed out some things that, that, quite frankly, needed to be pointed out. We don't always just talk with friends and allies at Camp David. Some of the most important negotiations that we have ever had at Camp David with foreign powers have been with some, quote-unquote, bad guys. Um, he's right. It's true. But again, the optics are bad. The optics are bad because of the timing with respect to being so close to the 9-11 commemoration, the anniversary. 
But I'm going to defend the president on this and say I do understand why. And there was a great uh, piece uh, in the Washington Examiner, which I think underscores this as well. The Taliban proved they are currently unwilling to negotiate seriously. In turn, the, uh, the group must know that the president won't sacrifice America's security and its allies for uh, a campaign narrative of trying to keep a campaign promise. That's what this is mostly about. Uh, Trump's decision in the context of a tough re-election fight stands in stark contrast with President Obama's 2011 withdrawal of U.S. forces from Iraq. This does not, however, change the crucial importance of diplomacy in Afghanistan. We cannot fight our way to victory in Afghanistan. A peace deal with the Taliban will ultimately be necessary. But the president's decision to cancel reflects a recognition that peace requires more than words. True peace requires the shared goodwill of both parties to sustain it. Until the Taliban changes its mind, American Americans must continue to defend our interests in Afghanistan. That's what the Afghan strategy entails. American and NATO efforts in Afghanistan are now centered on counterterrorism and supporting and supporting Afghan security forces with logistics, training, planning, intelligence, and aviation support. The Trump administration is also employing a long overdue pressure strategy toward Pakistan. But the bloody days of 2009 to 2012, where hundreds of Americans were killed in action each year, have passed. We are now focused on securing major population centers rather than patrolling Taliban heartlands, such as Helmland and Kunar province. But yes, this still remains a war. Afghan security forces suffer thousands of casualties, but 20 Americans have also been lost this year. The most recent, Sergeant Ellis Ortiz was uh, killed in Thursday's attack. We must remember his life and the lives of other Americans who died in Afghanistan this year and in years prior. We must also remember our allies uh, who died alongside. As we seek a real peace, we cannot delude ourselves. An unconstitu- excuse me, an unconditional withdrawal from Afghanistan would inspire jihadist confidence around the world and invite the Taliban to help rebuild al-Qaeda, which is already in, process, in progress. It would betray our allies abroad and endanger us at home. Maintaining military pressure on the Taliban while strengthening the Afghan government is a far better course. It strengthens us while incentivizing the Taliban to pursue what is most needed, a serious peace. So I think there's some important, there are some important lessons here to be learned. And I think the president is is walking a very, very, very delicate fine line, a delicate balance. He's got to make sure that the Taliban knows we are not just walking out of Afghanistan to allow them to pick up where they left off, the way President Obama did uh, with his uh, ridiculously uh, bad idea to uh, to withdraw from Iraq just to keep his campaign promise. The president needs the Taliban to know that we are not just going to walk out and let them do whatever they wish. There have to be conditions that must be met. These agreements must be enforced, and these agreements must be inspected so that we can ensure enforcement. If the Taliban isn't ready to do, to do those things, then the president would be wise to cancel any withdrawal at all. Nobody has an appetite to keep our boys over in Afghanistan unconditionally and indefinitely. No one wants these rotations to continue forever. We want an end to the quote-unquote Afghanistan war. We do, and we want the vast majority of our troops home, save for that peacekeeping force left behind that the president has talked about. So we need to negotiate with them in order to make that happen. The president was right. Those negotiations, those conversations must be held. 
probably not just two days before 9-11, I will say that, but those conversations do need to be held, and if the Taliban is going to um, uh, uh, give us a preview of those negotiations by committing another terror attack, a suicide bombing that killed an American soldier among 12, well, the president was also right to call those conversations off. Give the president credit when the president deserves credit. He needed to have these conversations. He was right to schedule them. He also needed to tell them, we're done. There are no conversations when the first thing you do prior to them is kill another American. Your thoughts are welcome at 216-901-0945. I'll take your calls right after the news on the Bob France Authority. Nine thirty-five. Now the Bob France Authority continues on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, Congressman Jim Jordan, will be by very shortly. We are going to talk to Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose in the ten o'clock hour at about ten twenty. We are also going to be talking uh, with uh, Diane Stover, who's going to be the next National Security Speaker at Act for America's next meeting. She is with Ohio Value Voters. She's going to join us at about ten thirty-five this morning. So a lot of people to talk to, and I want you to listen now to. Um, uh, Mike Pompeo, uh, our Secretary of State, who spoke with Chris Wallace yesterday on Fox News Sunday. This is short. It's about two minutes. Bear with me and then to your phone calls. Uh, Chris Wallace asking uh, the Secretary why the President would have invited the Taliban to Camp David in the first place. To prevent a terror attack from ever coming back to the United States as it did now almost 18 years ago. I, I want to get to the bigger question. Who thought it was a good idea for the President of the United States? You had an agreement in principle already, your envoy meeting with Taliban leaders in Qatar, fine. Who thought it was a good idea for the President of the United States to meet with Taliban leaders who have the blood of thousands of Americans on their hands just three days before 9-11? You know, we know the history of Camp David. We reflected on that as we were thinking about how to deliver for the American people. And so as we considered the right path forward, you, your point about an agreement in principle, I, I think that's true. We weren't complete. There's still lots of implementation issues, lots of technical issues that needed to be worked on, even though we'd been doing this for months. Uh, President Trump ultimately made the decision. He said, I want to talk to President Ghani. I want to talk to these Taliban negotiators. I want to look them in the eye. I want to see if we can get to the final outcome that we needed so that we could sign off on that deal. So we found that arrangement acceptable, that the verification was adequate, and we concluded this was a perfectly appropriate place. You, you know the history of Camp David. Uh, lots of bad folks have come through that place. There's been lots of peace negotiations taking place. You, it's almost always the case, Chris, that you don't get to negotiate uh, with good guys. Uh, the reason you're in negotiations to end wars, to end conflict, to end violence, to reduce risk to the American people is almost always because the person across the table from you isn't exactly the finest. Very, very well said by our Secretary of State. The more and more I hear from Mike Pompeo, by the way, the more impressed I am uh, and the more confidence I have in our administration. And I will tell you this. I think Mike Pompeo was the president's greatest appointment. I do. The president has made some mistakes. He has changed defense secretaries. He's changed attorney generals. He has changed, uh, 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 you know, a number of secretaries, a number of important cabinet positions. Some have left on their own. Some he has decided to get rid of. But I'll tell you what. I think Mike Pompeo is without question the president's master stroke when it comes to appointments uh, in people of very important uh, positions as our diplomat to the rest of the world. He projects strength. He projects confidence. He projects a knowledge of foreign affairs um, 
Unlike very, very few, or yeah, unlike uh, almost everyone else, quite frankly. I mean, there are very few, is what I'm trying to say, who understand our role in the world and our relationships with powers, both friendly and adversarial, better than Mike Pompeo. And uh, and I simply love listening to him. Uh, Mark is in Fairview Park. Thanks for your patience, Mark. You want to talk about this Taliban situation? You go right ahead. Yeah, Bob, I just want to... Uh, Mention that you know I, I agree with the meeting with the if the, if the Taliban has something to uh, re- realistically offer, but you know what? At the same time, when you take a look at these terrorists and uh, what they've done to the people of Afghanistan, not even military uh, tactics or anything like that, just putting bombs in marketplaces and killing tens of hundreds of people, you know they're just terrorists. And I don't know. I I also get this feeling that. Uh, it smells a little bit like the Vietnam and uh, Kiss uh, and the uh, French, uh, you know, Kissinger. Uh, 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 I'm lost with the words. Uh, the uh, conferences that they had for the peace conferences, and then you saw what happened after that. But basically, one word that you mentioned uh, in your introduction was uh, you mentioned Pakistan, and I think this is a country. I've been watching this for a long time. You know the uh, this is where the Taliban has uh, Taliban has been reconstituting itself. I just saw in the news the other night these centrifuges for the Iranians. They're getting their equipment and everything from Pakistan. Right. You know, over the years they're holding up our supplies when they didn't like one of our actions or getting Bin Laden or whatever. Uh, in 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 yeah, along never, with that, never forget had, never forget that they harbored Bin Laden. Essentially, I mean that's where he was found and killed. Exactly, and and I, I'm still kind of curious uh, why we never got the doctor out who assisted us from as much as I know right now he's still st- probably still in prison you Correct. know so I mean this if he's is, alive uh, yeah I think it's I, I think it's I think we need to take a real good look at this Pakistan I've been questioning their behavior for a long long time and uh, that's all I had Bob well, I'm glad, Mark. Thanks for your your 100 percent right. Very, very uh, great observation. Uh, our relationship with Pakistan is what one might consider complicated. Uh, if it were a dating relationship, that's how it would read on our Facebook profiles. It is complicated. Uh, Pakistan has not always been a friend of the United States, but they are not enough of an adversary for us to go to war with Pakistan as well. Uh, they have made some very, very, uh, let's just say sketchy decisions. They have indeed provided, uh, weaponry, or at least been used as a uh, conduit for weaponry and so on and so forth for, uh, the Taliban in Afghanistan. And, uh, and, and yeah, they have, uh, helped provide training and help provide you know, uh, Al-Qaeda slash Taliban, the opportunity to reconstitute in Pakistan. So you're right. But one crisis at a time or one negotiation at a time, not exactly sure how uh, Pakistan would have figured into the conversations between the president and Taliban leaders had they occurred, those conversations occurred. But you were right to question that. As far as the Taliban itself, um, you know, in your comparison to to the uh, uh, peace conferences, uh, with Vietnam, I I I don't disagree, but again, the, the, first of all, it's it's very different than than Vietnam in terms of what we are doing right now. We are not in full scale when we say war in Afghanistan. We claim that it's been raging for seventeen years, and it has, but it's not the way it was in two thousand two and two thousand three. You know, there's not daily firefights. There's not scores of of casualties. Thank God there are not scores of American casualties. But even if there's one or a dozen casualties over the course of a year, 
um, it's too many, which begs the question, when do we leave that nation? And the president is right to consider that question. When do we leave Afghanistan? And the president is also right to consider the answer to that question cannot be found just by picking a date, the way Barack Obama did in Iraq and said, we're going to be out by X. The president has to make sure the conditions are safe for the troops that will remain and that we and our allies are safe from whatever plans moving forward that the Taliban and al-Qaeda might have moving forward. We have to recognize and remember who these people are. We did to end you know, the war with Japan, for example. There isn't going to be that. Because, you know, there isn't like a single head of state that can speak for all of the government of and the military forces for a nation like they could with Japan. Because the Taliban is rogue. The Taliban isn't necessarily the in, in charge of Afghanistan. Uh, and certainly their terrorists are not loyal to any, uh, their terrorist, uh, 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 whatever, you, I guess just their terrorists, you know, they're, they're, they're the ones who carry out the acts, not the planners, but those who actually carry them out. As terrorists, these people are not necessarily beholden to any peace accord that might be signed by official Taliban leaders. So the president has to tread very carefully here. As I said, he's walking a very fine line, and it's a very delicate balance he is t- trying to strike. Beth is calling us from uh, Ashtabula. Hi, Beth. Go right ahead. Hi. How are you today? Wonderful. Thank you. Oh, um, first of all, um, my son-in-law has been deployed to Afghanistan twice, and he's currently in Iraq serving with the co- um, so, you know, I love what Pompeo said. We don't negotiate, have to have negotiations with people that are friendly to us. But the problem is they've been at war with us for 1,400 years. We may not want to acknowledge that fact, but I don't know how you fight an ideology, and I don't know how you trust anything that if you sit down with the Taliban – I don't know how you trust anything they say. I also don't know how you can ever be sure that they will never attack us again. You know, it's just, it's an ideology. You're not fighting a government so much. You're, you're fighting the ideology, and, and that's, <laughs> that's an almost impossible task as far as I'm concerned. And you're right. I, I, Beth, I totally agree. We cannot guarantee that any agreement we might reach with them is going to be honored by them because you're right. They're not driven by, you know, the, the thing that traditional foreign powers are driven by, for example. You know, again, I'll go back to Japan. We're talking about not, not just an ideology, a political ideology, but a religious ideology yeah. that, of course, uh, radical Islam, they, they didn't, they didn't attack us screaming, viva la Afghanistan. They attacked us and slammed the plane into those buildings screaming Allah Akbar. Uh, It it is religious to them, and that is something that we, of course, you know, recognize and acknowledge. But again, the conversations need to be held. Otherwise, we just commit to staying there with people like your son-in-law. And by the way, bless him for his service, and please thank him for all of us if you have correspondence. He served a long one, and and he's going to be returning soon, so that's a good thing. God God willing and God bless. Yes, if I could recommend a book, and you may have already read it or heard of it, but it's mm-hmm. called Sword and Scimitar, and it's by Raymond Ibrahim. It's I B R A H I M, and it's I about have not the, heard of that one. It's about the fourteen hundred years that we've been fighting, and it goes back to a lot of the yeah. There are there are a lot there are a lot of uh, uh, chronicles uh, of that uh, and documentaries and books as well. And thank you for the uh, suggestion on that one. I have not read it, but I do appreciate the uh, the heads up. All right, nine forty six. Quick time out. Congressman Jim Jordan next on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. 
Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. Nine forty nine. Now the Bob France Authority continues as promised. I want to welcome Congressman Jim Jordan back to our program, Ohio's fourth congressional district representative. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Bob. Good to be with you. Good to talk to you as always. So, uh, some very interesting news over the weekend. We found out that the President of the United States had scheduled talks at Camp David, that's American soil, yeah. with Taliban officials and leaders to negotiate some sort of an agreement. I won't say negotiate a peace, but some sort of agreement that would allow us to bring our troops home without, uh, the Taliban helping Al Qaeda to reconstitute. Then the President canceled those plans after the Thursday suicide attack that killed an American soldier. Uh, Congressman, yeah. how do you feel about the president having scheduled those talks in the first place and then the decision to walk away? Well, I think th- th- that shows the big difference. I mean, you had, you know, President Obama was willing to meet with all kinds of folks with no conditions, no preconditions. And, and here the president said he was willing to talk with the Taliban. Um, you know, our troops have been over there 18, almost 19 years uh, looking to try to get a solution to this. Uh, but then when they do the terrible things that they did, he said, sorry, not going to deal, not going to do it. And, uh, I think that's exactly where most Americans would, would be. Uh, and frankly, I, I trust, I trust the president and I, and I, and I trust uh, secretary Pompeo. Uh, these are, these are good guys who I think know how to negotiate and, and understand what's going on. And so, uh, we'll see what happens next, but I do think there's a big difference between the president handles these kind of, these kind of international, affairs in uh in, in the way the previous uh previous commander-in-chief did is it um is it right for the president to hold these talks at camp david on american soil rather than in a neutral third uh, uh country uh, a lot of people just have a real problem with the people who brought 9-11 to us i mean they provided training they provided funding they provided uh no, the grounds for for al-qaeda we all know the story uh they shouldn't be on american sto- soil is is what a lot of people on all sides of the political uh, aisle feel yeah i, I mean look and, and they're not i mean it's been canceled so uh we'll see uh, but my, my, my approach is, is I trust, I trust the commander in chief and I trust the secretary of state, uh, right now that, that, that what was, I guess, planned is no longer going to happen. I think that's the appropriate decision. Um, and I trust, uh, I trust our people in, 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 in the highest uh, levels of our government to, to do what is best for the country. I do know this, uh, in, in, since 9-11, uh, the Taliban is sure, Sure, uh, uh, taken a, a great deal from from a. Uh, I mean, we we've inflicted all kinds of punishment and and uh, uh, taken it to them since that time. But it's now been, I think, almost 19 years. Sometime here in the next uh, uh, next several weeks, it'll be 19 years. So um, it's uh, let, let's see if we can figure out a way to uh, to to get our troops home at some point. Do you, um, what would we have, around 11,000, I think, is the last number that I heard, around 11,000 troops currently yeah. deployed in Afghanistan, I think. Um, the, the president yep. wants to bring the majority of those back. Um, it's kind of part of a campaign promise, and th- there's some good and bad with that, I suppose. Do you do you agree with, with bringing them back without these talks happening and without some sort of commitment by the Taliban that they are not going to interfere with a democratic government there and, moreover, that they're not going to help, uh, you know, a terrorist plan future attacks against us or our allies. Yeah, uh, no, I think, first of all, I think it's never good to just announce you're going to do it on a certain date uh, yeah. and, 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 and tell tell the enemy that ever. Um, I also think that you shouldn't, you should, you should work out some kind of, a, some kind of agreement here, make sure that um, there is some, some level of understanding prior to uh, withdrawing, uh, withdrawing the troops that are still there. 
So again, I think that's that's the stuff though that that Mr. Pompeo has more information than you or I have, more information than than probably any other member of Congress. Um, and the question is, do you trust him or not? And I do. And, and do you trust the president or not? And the, uh, I do trust the president. So um, they've made a decision that 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 what was initially talked about and 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 planned for is not going to happen at Camp David uh, in light of the terrible things the Taliban did just recently. So. Um, I, I trust that, and, and I also trust them as they move forward in figuring out the best possible strategy to um, deal with that area, and protect American interests, and get our troops home as soon as we possibly can. Let's pivot to um, the Judiciary Committee on which you sit. There's going to be a vote this week, apparently, to formalize procedures for Great. impeachment. Yeah. Your, yeah, your colleagues on the Democrat side who are running the committees, of course, uh, want to continue now with impeachment talk. I don't know what new grounds they have after the Russian collusion thing blew up in their face with the Mueller testimony, but uh, can you tell us more? Yeah, no, they're, 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 they're going to move ahead, but that, that's just who they are. Uh, you know, I said earlier today that there's a thing called opportunity cost. You learn it in your very first first year economics course in college, and it's the idea that when you're focused on one thing, by by definition, you can't you can't get to other things. And by their ridiculous focus on something that is not warranted, something the American people don't want, this impeachment proceeding, they are missing the opportunity to actually do some good things for the country, like deal with the immigration crisis on the border, to deal with the intellectual property uh, theft. That, that China's doing, all things that are that are in the jurisdiction of the Judiciary Committee, the House Judiciary Committee. Instead, we're focusing on this. You, you think about the Democrats, Bob. They, their, their first big hearing was Michael Cohen. That was a flop. Then they brought in John Dean, another flop. Then they had all, they put all their eggs in this, this Robert Mueller uh, special counsel investigation. They had that hearing. That was that was ridiculous as well. So, But they just keep going. And um, the part that probably bothers me the most is they have yet to even talk about, let alone schedule, the Inspector General, Michael Horowitz, to come in front of the Judiciary Committee and the Oversight Committee to brief us on his scathing report of Jim Comey that just came out two weeks ago. We're supposed to have a hearing on those things when, when, when they happen. You're talking about the head of the FBI who ran the two biggest investigations of our lifetime and screwed both of them up, and yet they're not going to bring him in and, and, and give us a chance to ask questions. So that's the part that I think drives Americans crazy as well. Well, yeah, they want to drag people who have already testified uh, as to everything they know about anything having to do with this Russian yep. story to the Mueller Commission and, or committee or, 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 or group or panel or whatever. Uh, they've already done that to Bob Mueller, and now they want to drag them in and have them answer new questions uh, or maybe the same old questions. I don't know. But when you have legitimate new information that you need to gather, including what you just pointed out from the Inspector General, that James Comey violated dozens of FBI and DOJ protocols, uh, and, and they don't want to hear from him i again we sit here as as you know as voters and as constituents wondering what exactly can we expect from our democratic leadership in this house and how no. can we allow them to keep them uh, keep leadership of the house yeah I, I think i think more and more americans are waking up to seeing how ridiculous the democrats in congress their behavior is i mean think about this week this week they're going to this is an important week for americans because in congress this week they're going to formalize impeachment proceedings against the president and try to take away your Second Amendment rights. All in one week, that's what the Democrats are going to do. If, if that doesn't highlight just how radical today's left is, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what does. But that's what they're trying to do. Back to Horowitz, on January 6, 2017, when the intelligence community goes to the Trump Tower to give then-President-elect Trump his intelligence briefing, they all leave. Jim Comey sticks around after that briefing is done and gives the president a further briefing on the dossier. That was all designed to trap the president. Michael Horowitz points that out on page 17 of his report. 
All the while, they go up there to try to trap the president to get information on. All the while, Jim Comey is telling the president, hey, Mr. President, you're not under investigation. That's crazy. That's what this FBI director did. And yet, yet Jerry Nadler and Elijah Cummings, don't, they just want to keep going after the president and the first family, and they don't want to have Mr. Horowitz in to answer questions about that January 6th meeting where the FBI, head of the FBI, is not being square with the president of the United States and actually trying to trap him in their, in their, in their investigation in this Trump-Russia collusion baloney. That's scary, and that's why we need to have him in. That is very well said. You also provided uh, your own segue here, which I appreciate when you mentioned they're also going to uh, meet this week to try to uh, strip Americans of their Second Amendment rights. There are new uh, gun control uh, measures that are going to be discussed and debated. Uh, again, I don't know exactly what it is they are trying to do. If they try to quote, institute a quote-unquote gun buyback, that is nothing but gun confiscation. If they talk about expanded background checks, that is going to be a violation of a whole host of amendments. Government doesn't ask you to do things. Uh, government tells you. A, a, a government buyback, what that is, it, just as you said, that is coming and taking people's weapons from them, taking their, 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 violating their Second Amendment liberties. This red flag law is, 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 is nothing but turning the, the, the fundamental standard in this country, that you are innocent until proven guilty, turning it on its head, inverting that, that critical standard, and saying you are now guilty until proven innocent. Same stinking standard, actually, that Bob Mueller tried to apply to the president, by the way. That is scary. And for Democrats this week to start impeachment proceedings and try to take your guns simply underscores how radical the left has become today and, and, and how they got a hold of the Democrat Party, unfortunately. That, that is, that's the thing that bothers me and scares me the most is just how radical today's left is. They also want to return one other item on this, Congressman, before you go. They also want to return to the quote-unquote assault weapons ban, which is so funny because nobody on uh, in Capitol Hill can really define what an assault weapon is anyway. But they want to go back to the assault weapon ban that was instituted in the Clinton uh, administration. They say that it worked for 10 years. I, I, it, you, crime statistics say it had no effect whatsoever. Yeah, every study I've seen, I, I just read stuff on that uh, this weekend. Every study I've seen said there was no no change in any type of thing that they saw. No no less use of of, of uh, quote assault weapons in in these violent crimes than than before. And since it's been uh, the the law has expired, they've seen no increase in since since it's expired. So uh, the the evidence, the studies, but that doesn't matter to Democrats. Facts don't matter. They're they're determined to do their left wing things and take away your fundamental liberty. There's no question about it. You have a busy week in your committees uh, on Capitol Hill this week, Congressman. I thank you for taking time out for us. I wish you the best of luck, and we'll talk next week. Thank you, Bob. Take care, buddy. Thank you, sir. That's Congressman Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, really, really a staggering development in in, uh, in that regard. Uh, they're, they are going to formalize their official impeachment uh, inquiry and vote eventually in the Judiciary Committee this week. Uh, Congressman Jordan and his Democrat, or excuse me, and his Republican colleagues will fight the, the uh, Democratic opponents on this, uh, but they're outnumbered uh, by simple nature and virtue of the Democrats' House majority. Do you remember, real quick? Do you remember how important we told you this? Uh, the uh, midterm elections were in November of 2018. Do you remember how important this was? We told you what it was going to lead to if they won. Well, here they are. The chickens are coming home to roost. Ten o'clock news time now. Hour two straight ahead on AM. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.